Well, how's things? You're listening to Band of Kill Buzz. If you tap the play button by accident, please keep listening. My life depends on it. Enjoy the show. This week on Ballinac Hill Buzz, unfortunately the Hombre segment isn't on this week due to unforeseen security issues. We'll get on to that next week. There was um, a bit of a hiccup now with a few things this week, so it was um, deemed unsafe for us to carry out the episode. But uh, yeah, we'll be back next week like you've never seen them before, the Hombres, remember it. And uh, yeah, so then the guest this week um, was Bob Flavin. Fucking real honour now to have him on the podcast. Uh, we're just real sound fella, car enthusiast. You know yourself, you know the name. Uh, y- you know what that what comes with that. So I know a real top interview now, I really mean that. And I'm um, real top fella as well, talking to him for about 20 minutes after the interview. So uh, can't speak highly enough of the man. So that was a really, that was um, that was a good crack now to be fair. So uh, you, you'll enjoy that interview now genuinely. I know I lie about a lot of them, but you will genuinely enjoy that. And finally, Kappa Chats rounds off the buzz once more with a very interesting topic. So the topic is, who were the toughest opponents we ever faced in both football and hurling over the years? There's a good few in there. We both got roasted a number of times. So that, um, yeah, that was an interesting topic. Uh, so yeah, another, another week down. And uh, yeah, the views are actually going decent. The, since I, the second I started lying about them being really good, they actually did start getting good. So that's manifestation, I suppose. So yeah, thanks a million. Hope you can stick around for the whole episode and many more. And yeah, I'm just so grateful to anyone listening to this right now. So yeah, uh, enjoy the episode and God bless. So what's your dream? To be very content for the rest of my life. Okay. That sounds wild, right? It's better than happy because happy is only achievable in a very short space of time. Whereas content is constantly achievable. You can be very content for a very long period of time. And be happy every once in a while. That's it. Oh, fair enough. It doesn't mean money or not. That's not uh, nothing to do with money. It's nothing to do with anything. It's nothing to do with fame, money, nothing. It's just content. Content, yeah, yeah. It's um, a hard thing to achieve. It's very hard. No, but once is. you get it, once you taste it once in a while, it's, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it is probably easier, yeah. Because happiness is probably something you really have to chase all the time. And it's probably anxiety trying to have that all the time, I would say. That's what people portray on social media the whole time, happiness. You know, as if, as you know, when someone does this 2021 look back in their stories, right? Yeah. And it shows you all of the high points of their week, of their year. And it shows you all the brilliant times they had, not a, you know, the fun they had, the parties they had, the whole lot. But actually, they're little tiny moments in this 365-day year that you've actually got to live with. These little moments that inter- that these little happy moments that come into it every once in a while, they come in once a week or once a day, or maybe it's only once a year you're actually happy. But you can achieve content with what you've got, not looking for something else to do, not looking for the next big product or the next big thing, just to be content with what you've already got. While being happy comes along whenever you are actually happy. You're at a football match or you're in the gym or you're with your friends or you're with your wife or your girlfriend or your husband or auntie, uncle, whatever it is, and you become happy for that period of time. And you'll always remember the little happy parts, but you actually forget the little content parts. And the content part is the part that keeps you happy, keeps you content, keeps you like a little swan in the water all the time, working away, doing your stuff. Yeah, no, exactly. And people have to kind of live in the moment as well because it is easy to say, oh, Jesus, he's got that or she's got that and she's better than me or... You know that kind of and social That's media. Social media it does that well. to people. Like. Yeah, it does because when I was a kid or when I was younger, say in the eighties, right, we had a circle of friends we could physically see. So you had a group of people around you; they were your actual friends. You could only physically see the people around you. There was no social media attachment to that, so you weren't looking around you to see other things or looking at people living in America and go, "God, I wish I had a big house." The only way you could see that was on the TV. And so everyone in America looked like they were in, in big houses because everybody on television had a big house, right? So yeah, <laughs> they yeah. all looked like they were in big houses. But today you have this much wider circle of what you deem to be friends. They're, they're people you, you've DM'd on social media. Maybe you've met them once. Maybe if even that, you might have met them once. That is much harder to, to contain and to understand that they lead different lives than you. And they might have wealth in cash-wise or physical products that you might like. But uh, you don't have them, so you feel discontent because you want what they've got instead of being happy with what you've already got. Yeah, and do you think do you think that's gone too far? Social media, the whole way that that makes people feel. Do you think the whole idea of social media has gone too far? That people just maybe use it for the wrong reasons. That's where the health, mental health thing has come from, right? So, uh, like, I know people, and I know mates of mine who are modern journalists as well, right? 
they post all their brand new cars on on TikTok or on YouTube or on Instagram or wherever it is, uh, and they go look at the ten nicest things about this car, but they won't show you that the, it's raining outside and they're standing in the rain taking that photograph and they, they just had an argument with their wife ten seconds ago because they weren't home on time and mm. and the, their their parents are giving out to them about something else or or maybe their dad is dying. None of this is contained in that photograph, right? Mm. But like nine times out of 10, one of the top comments I get on social media is, you're so lucky. You've got the best job in the world. You're such a lucky dude. But you don't see the 22 hours a day that you put into something to try and make it work. Uh, you know, the phone calls, the emails, the boring moments, the kind of the knockbacks or the, the PR company that won't return your, your emails when you just want to test your car or whatever it is. It's that you don't see any because I don't show any of that. No one does on social media. But in the 80s, when you could physically see all the people around you, you all looked the same. You were all broke. You were all poor because that's who you hung around with. And so you could physically see the, if something was happening in someone's life, you've seen it happen all the time. You went to their houses. You met their ma. You heard their, their ma going, get up the bed and make your bed. You heard all that. It was there. It was in your face. You know, it was just on here anymore. Yeah. No, yeah. It was It was a fair way of life, I think. I don't know. I think things are gone. Like, I, nothing against social media. It has, it has its upside as well. But, like, fucking hell. Like, there is... It's kind of got a bit too far as well. Lads have to kind of live a real life as well. Like, there's no point kind of giving your life just looking at a device all the time. I think now I'm probably sounding like an old man saying that. No, no, and I look at my device a lot. Although I got a smartphone, a smart watch recently, which kind of changed that because you look at your watch more often now. But there is there is a real world out there, and you need to be content in your own world rather than looking at other people's worlds as if they're content no one is content that's the that's the key in your mind in your mind no one is really happy no one is really content i'm i'm surrounded sometimes by very wealthy people who are just looking for stuff to spend money on because that's how they think they're happy they go out and buy another car another house a holiday home and it looks brilliant from the outside but realistically they'll tell you that if you talk to them physically I tell you, they're not happy with their wife. They're not, their job isn't going so well. They're not getting as much money as they used to get. They're not doing as well as they used to be able to do. They're not able to spend 10 times this year to buy some, you know, they have problems. It's just a different kind of problem. Money is not necessarily their problem. Other things are their problem. For some people, money is the biggest problem. Money is the biggest problem for almost everyone. Either the lack of it or the fact you have, like most rich people want to hold on to money. So the problem is trying to hold on to the money. Whereas poor people, people who have very little, they the problem they have is they just don't have enough of it to do anything with. So they spend a hundred percent of their income. So that's that's the problem. There's the big problem between the two. Yeah, no, no, that is the way the world works as well, and it is kind of like it is dictated by money. Like everything you think of in the world, I, I it's sad to say, but even like fucking the podcast I'm doing here, like I'm trying to make money out of that. Everything like your your YouTube. I'm assuming you're you're obviously trying to make money. Obviously, you like doing it as yeah. well, but there's money involved. Like everything in the world is fueled by money. Very few things aren't, and that just sadly that's just the way it is. But it is there's there's like, do you think there's like um it defines you in life how much money you make? obviously well, well that pigeonholes you rather than define you. That that yeah. puts you that makes you you'll have certain amount of friends that will have equal amount of money to you. That's how you get pigeonholed by money. It's not that money actually defines you, lack of it or uh, abundance of it. It's more how you use that money to move into something else. So a lot of people think that just buying something will make them better. So in a podcast sense, right, you're probably looking at YouTube reviews of microphones, of uh, Zoom calls, how to record your Zoom calls, how to get a better computer thing, how to edit your software better. These are all things you just spend money on, but you're hoping you're going to make money back out of those things you're spending money on. So that's that's logical. That's business, right? That's mm. You can shelve that and say, the podcast is costing me two grand a month to make. I want to make four grand from it. So that's an easy, now I'm just using wild numbers, but that's an easy way to look at those two things. But there'll be a break. What's the break point is where you have enough in your bank account that you no, no, no longer need to make money. That's just, you have enough to do you the rest of your life. Now that's, that's a figure. That's probably a number in your head somewhere. And you might think it's a million quid. You might think it's 10 million quid or a hundred million, one of those numbers is probably going to be enough for you to the rest of your life. In actual fact, it's an awful lot less. It just depends on what way you want to live your life. Like there's people out there living on 250 quid a week or 200 quid a week. 
uh, and that's it. And they're content with that. They're living the life they want to live mm. with that amount of money. That's fine. It's working for them. Yes, they can't afford a MacBook Pro or they can't afford a big Sony camera or something, but they don't need it either. So they don't want it. Desire is driven all the time. So all businesses try and drive you to be to desire what they sell. And so they put out lots of marketing talks. Yeah, it's brilliant. Then they give it to YouTube and YouTube tells you it's brilliant. Oh, it's the best thing ever. And then next week, something better comes along. Yeah. And the iPhone 13 is just out. They're already talking about the iPhone 14. Like it's, like it's, it's no, it's, it's that's what it's all. It's I mean, crazy, sort of turn over like, things. The, the most annoying thing with that is like, can you actually tell me the fucking big difference between iPhone 12 or whatever there is? I don't look at them 13, 14. I'd say there's no difference between anything. There's probably no. a fucking half millimeter difference in the screen or something. And they, they might not even be that. It might be some kind of software enabling thing that's inside it. If you spend all your time looking at Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, and you, and that's it, right? That's your thing. You, there is an iPhone 6, right? I use that as a backup phone. Look how skinny that is compared to an iPhone 12. Look at the, look at the difference in the size of them. Look, Jesus, yeah, the there is a big phones, difference. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This works perfectly well to look at TikToks. Everything looks, it's fine. It works perfectly well. Now, I have an iPhone 12 because I, I actually use it to film some of the YouTube video parts, right? The camera's better. So the physical camera is better on it. And that's why I bought that. But I'm not buying 13 or 14 because the camera's not going to be any better on it. So I have a business use for that phone. But if, you, if you're not in a business that uses your phone, you just want the latest tech, you're just adding to the environmental issues out there. You're also, you're also hurting your own brain. You just, you're, you're never going to achieve contentment or happiness by buying things. You cannot buy them. And how do you mean the environmental issues? I wouldn't even be caught up on that either. What, so when you buy a new phone, does that, how does that affect you? Worst know? thing in the world for the environment is the creation of new products. So every time something new is made, the environment is damaged by that because you have to pull on the environment to make the product, whether it's petrol, diesel, plastics, batteries, whatever it is, the environment gets damaged by doing that. So the constant moving of new thing, new thing, the new thing is always better is actually the most harmful thing. It's called consumption. We consume the environment to create new things all the time. The best thing you can possibly do for the environment is to create one thing that's actually something you needed in the first place and then get the lifespan out of it before it goes out, of, before you need to change it again. Slightly different from a business perspective. Obviously, if you're doing business, you need kind of fat, you need to be moving quickly. So sometimes you need to just upgrade stuff very fast to make it faster for business. But for home use, the idea that we just change over a phone every year because it's on our contract rotation is harmful to the environment and harmful for recycling and harmful for everything that goes into the environment has to be recycled. Have a look at, like I, I spent some time down in Morocco a couple of years ago. Morocco uh, goes along the, the, the west coast of Africa uh, and it faces into the southern Atlantic, so really far down. The current from that part of the Atlantic is all driven, pushed downwards. So everything comes down from Europe past that part of the Atlantic. It's just a bit of current is down there. Uh, and we drove across the beach in these, these Jeeps and we're driving along and then it just went, that's just a sea of white. What is that white? It's plastic. It's just plastic floating by Morocco and washing up on the beaches. There's so much of it there that the fishermen build huts from the plastic bottles we put into it. Now that's falling off ships and falling off recycling systems just been dumped in the ocean all the way up along by, by Europe. This lovely, clean, first world country that we all live in up here is yeah. a massive polluter because we buy bottles of Olvik and they end up in the recycling system and soon and fall into the ocean. And that's yeah. that's exactly why. So I have a bottle of Olvik here. That is a year and a half old. That, uh, but I usually use a metal bottle. So... But it's it's um it's kind of ironic, you know the way you see people with this on their stories, save the turtles and stuff, and they're probably the ones throwing out the fucking plastic bottles as well. Like, but it's not it's all it's, it's all us who does it. We blame everyone else, but it's the first yeah. world countries who's at this shit. It's it um, is us. It is our problem. We yeah. move the problem to somebody else, but it's actually our problem. If you go down to Africa, they use most of that stuff to be recycled to be something else. So they like it was a brilliant story I read one time a guy making shoes from tires. So all tires are turn up. He cut the tread out to make shoe like a tong, oh, or yeah. you know a sandal thing, yeah. and he'd make this a sandal out of tires. But he's only making a couple of hundred sandals a year. There's a bazillion tires. We think that's brilliant. Wow, this guy's recycling tires. But millions and millions and millions of tires get dumped every single year. Some of them get burnt, which is now illegal, of course. Oh, for your listeners, it's about the Atacama Desert in Chile now has a pollution problem from TK Maxx. So oh, really? fast, it's called fast fashion, right? So if you want a 2 t-shirt 
I can get it made for you in Bangladesh in massive quantity, right? To ship it over here, it's costing you 10 cent a t-shirt. If you're someone like Pennies or TK Maxx or some massive buyer where you can buy huge amounts of stuff, they'll make it for next to junk out there, right? 10 cent. Half them won't fit, seems to be off-center, that sort of stuff, right? You get them over here, Pennies take a load, TK Maxx take a load, Dunn Stores take a load. They all take some sort of load out and they make their own version of it, put their own labels on, all that. So that's how the same t-shirt ends up everywhere. The ones that they don't use get put back into recycle, sent back out to Africa or sent out to wherever they are, we think, to help poor people. Awesome. But a lot of these get sent out from the American ones, get dumped. And where do they dump them? Atacama Desert. Google Atacama Desert and, and uh, clothing problem out there. There's tons and tons and tons of this barren desert is now completely polluted with clothes from TK Maxx and others. Jeez. They're not alone. I just want to ask how you got into reviewing cars because it seems like I know you you said people call you lucky and you didn't you know whatever you say it's obviously they don't see the tough side, but yeah. um it seems like a is it the dream job like it really seems like a fucking really class thing to be able to do. It if you like cars and I mean really like the nitty gritty of cars, it's a good job. If you just like driving around in cars, you can make it, it won't necessarily be a job for you. You can, you'll probably find an outlet or a website that'll take your stuff. But if you just like driving, just like hanging out in the latest cars, it's not, it's not going to be long-term for you. But if you like the nitty gritty, like to understand the kind of the bleeding edge of cars and where cars are going and how car manufacturers work and where they operate, what level they operate, I think then you can make probably a career of it. But I started it because massive fan of top gear uh massive fan of, of fifth gear johnny smith i know him pretty well now from from tiktok and stuff um massive fan of all of that kind of that content and whether you like it or not top gear has influenced every single video maker out there when they're talking about cars right so whatever you do top gear has probably done it before so what i did was i was made redundant in camera what year it was i was a purchase manager for an ordinary job purchase manager battery industry made her done now that job and then uh, uh there was it was 2008 2009 somewhere around there so there was absolutely no work going the whole world had crashed the whole world of everything had crashed the financial crash happened everybody's job was disappearing and so i started a website called smokerspark.com the same year i changed the name over to the next gear.com and started reviewing reviewing kind of used cars and doing press releases and stuff and then i got a, a a phone call from Renault said, here, do you want a press car? Went, okay, what's a press car? <laughs> then some yeah. sort of unfolded. It was around 2009 or 10, I think, when I started getting press cars. And, and then it just, everybody was like, wow, you're the only one doing videos, which I was at the time. I know it's obviously a thing. You're not supposed to ask people how much they make, but would, would you make money off the YouTube or what way would that work? I'm just curious. Yeah. That's just a little side question. I've been monetized on YouTube for a long time, but, but monetization, like... The, the variance between a good month and a bad month is the difference between being destitute and not being able to pay your bills and having a holiday. Like, oh, really? it's a whole, oh, the, the difference, there's no guaranteed, it's not like you get paid $5.99 an hour or something, right? It just doesn't work yeah, out that yeah. way. It depends on how many people have watched an ad, how many ads they watched, how long they watched your video for, what country they're based in. Are they male or female? What sort of advertising are they watching? There's so many variables. You can't really predict month to month how much you're going to make. I sat down with an accountant before and even revenue to go, how much do you make? And I go, I don't know how much as long as a piece of string. Like you just got to look back across yeah. the year and guess how much it's going to be. Some months are really good. Some months are really bad. I've always diversified into other stuff. So I edit videos for people. I edit sound for people. People send me podcasts and I edit the podcast down for them. So I've always kind of done other, not always say side things, they're main things. And, and I make commercials and stuff for TV and radio and, and I do voiceover work. So I do, there's loads of other work, but the main one is cars. But there's loads yeah. of other little side side projects. Yeah. And has there ever been a month? Side yeah, yeah. And is there, has there ever been like a month from the um, doing like the YouTube that you were like, fuck, I made no money. And thank God I have the other stuff because I'd be really snowed in if I, you know, if I only had this. Not recently. It settles after a while. Once you start to build a platform and you get to a certain level, there will be a certain amount of expected hits per month. You know, so you kind of, you can sort of predict whether it's going to be a good or a bad month. Um, whereas uh, like at the beginning when it was zero, like you're making 10 cent, uh, that's it that's your whole month you know yeah. um 
the, like the bank charges for transferring the bloody 10 cent into your bank account is higher than that. So it's Jesus crazy. Christ. Like, yeah. So there are months we start off. If anyone's team are starting a YouTube channel, no matter what your platform, no matter what you want to talk about, no matter whether you want to do or not, don't do it for money. Do it because you want to do it because it's good fun or because you like doing it. Money will come over time. If you get enough views and you're good enough at your job and you're good enough for what you deem to be a job and always think of it as a job as well. Um, then eventually YouTube will go, yeah, here, we're going to monetize this guy. And then you get enough views, you get enough hits and off you go. It can be, I would say you would need to plan for five years on YouTube before you start making enough money that you can kind of go, right, I'm a full-time YouTube. Hmm. And if you haven't made it in three years, if it's showing zero for you and nothing's happening and your growth is not happening and uh, three years is kind of the break point, I think, on YouTube. I think if you're not over... If you put three years into it, not over 5,000 subscribers at that point, you're probably either in a flooded niche. So in a niche like gaming, where there's just tons of competition, just so much competition, or you're just, you're in, you're, you're not talking your own language. You're trying to be a YouTuber or TV presenter or something. You're not doing your own thing. Yeah. I think, I think TikTok is kind of fucked up YouTube in a way, like just, just because like, it's so easy to get views and like any, even I got a, good few likes on one of my videos and I wouldn't be anything special like but it's it takes it's very little effort for a big reward on TikTok and then people kind of think they go to YouTube geez my life's going to be great I'm going to get thousands of hundreds and thousands of views you're probably better to speak about this by being big on YouTube but uh just doesn't work like that it can't well it, it won't because the algorithms are all different uh YouTube is a different kind of content as well so YouTube is horizontal content long form horizontal content so 10 minute videos are quite normal on YouTube. Uh, YouTube ha YouTube doesn't know what YouTube is. So there's YouTube shorts, there's YouTube stories, there's YouTube posts, there's YouTube videos themselves. Uh, and it never quite knows which one of those it wants to be. So it only brought out shorts because TikTok, right? But Snapchat only brought, or Instagram only brought out their stories because Snapchat exists. So they all kind of fight against one another. What you've got to do is, is uh, in Ireland, uh, and in the UK, so you've got, you got big platforms here. Uh, Snapchat is pretty big, but you can't really see who you're talking to until you've got a certain level. Then they, they put a graph on. You can see if you're actually talking to thousands or hundreds or whatever, right? Instagram is a really good platform. Very, very hard to grow on. Really hard to get your message out. You've got to be consistent. You've got to be working hard on it all the time. It's, and the rewards are tiny. But when the reward comes, people will contact you to give you free shit. That's what happens next, right? Mm. I'm not terribly into free stuff. I'd rather buy something and give it a review than, than to be sent free things all the time and then have to review them, even when they're shite. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So even if it's no good, you still got to do something. They send you out a product. You got to do something for people. So the transaction, that's very difficult to deal with. Uh, TikTok, you get, don't get paid for. It's Growth was very easy on TikTok, very hard to grow. Now they've changed the algorithm. It's quite hard to get your kind of motivation going there, no matter how good your, your stuff is. Um, and they are very volatile. So today you're really popular. Tomorrow you're cancelled, right? You're, you've lost, your account's been banned. I've seen loads of people this year have had their accounts banned already. Uh, so that can happen. And I'm talking about 100, 150, 200,000 size accounts, boom, gone. No yeah. appeals, no nothing, just disappeared. Um, so it's a volatile platform, but you can grow. YouTube is the hardest one, the hardest one, because you got to find a voice, you got to find an audience, then you got to find how to make videos, then you got to make good videos. And it's, there's a lot in it, but at least YouTube pays you. That'll be the main thing. At least YouTube will revenue share with you. They'll do something for you rather than just leave you swinging out there on your own. I have a hundred and I don't know how many thousand followers on uh, uh, TikTok and I have gotten zero interest from them. Not a nothing. Not no contact. No. Wow, you're growing. I have five point something million likes on TikTok, which is far bit more than a lot of accounts that are much bigger than me. Yeah. And still zip. No contact from from TikTok whatsoever. Do you know the way you said like you get kind of you could get something for free like a car sent to you? Has there ever been just one and it was just pure crap? Like just or have you ever had cars in general yet to review and you just say. That is not, that's not even drivable nearly, but just a terrible car. Like I've had, yeah, there's been a few terrible cars over the years, much less so now as car companies realize what people are looking for, right? So it's just, 
they just take a certain amount of boxes. But a few years back, when cars were a little bit more remarkable, they were making and importing some oddball cars um, that we would normally get over here. And we wouldn't normally get them because they were crap. Like, they're just not yeah. a good car. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sanyong Rodius springs to mind, um, gone off the market now. I think it was a seven-seater York. Uh, it was it's a horrible car like it just doesn't look well plenty of space inside but that's the only real redeeming feature you see a few of them still as taxis here and there but it just it was a terrible car uh, more modern ones like a hyundai ionic 4 the last generation of that i started off the youtube video with that saying this is the worst electric car you can buy right now in the market of ireland and they've stopped <laughs> talking to me since then but but that's okay look at my conversion um so that that kind of those kind of cars if if i don't like it i don't like it that, that's that's it if there's no redeeming features it's going to get said in the youtube video that stresses a lot of marketing people out because the vast majority of youtubers that are on right now talking about cars are just yes men they're literally talking from the marketing speak they're looking at the press release and going this is the best car on the market today with the most boots best they're nearly scripting it from a marketing thing and they're telling you because usually they have a vested interest so they might sell things attached to that car maybe it's part of their gig um uh, or they just don't really understand that people are putting their hard-earned cash down to buy something that they want to be driving for the next three to five years at least and i want them to come to me in six months time ago you were right that was the best car i've ever had and i, I get that all the time i get that so often people would dm me going i bought a car because you and i'm always panicking thinking jesus is the car good i hope it's good because i i only yeah. kind of like them and they go you know it's great it's a great car perfect car what should i buy next so it's that's where it's going from and um uh i suppose a lot of the yes people yes men yes woman person out there who does not review cars they just tell you all about the details of the cars those kind of people will eventually be found out as always in every in every platform yeah they do yeah but you you can tell like like i know people you can always tell the difference you can always pick them out like if people are well it's always people who never criticize anything that they're whatever their business that sponsors them you can tell when they say just everything's rosy like there's no company you you, you can always pick out whatever it is the, the, yeah. the trick is an opinion so if there's no opinion if if it's if it never if the review you're reading never says this is better than this that's how car that's how car reviewers get good that's how they stay at it a long time your breadth of experience means i know that a golf seven seat in the the standard spec golf seven seat is a better seat than the one that's in the golf or for comfort because i've driven both them long distance i know that the Kia EV6 is better than the Hyundai Ionic 5, even though they're the same car, but they have different seats and a different seat and position ever so slightly. And it means it's a more comfortable drive in the EV6. Same price, same car, same pretty much everything, but it's a, it's a more comfortable drive in the EV6. It's that kind of experience that I've developed for a dozen years now, driving hundreds of cars. Like I, I change my car twice a week, right? <laughs> and busy times. Most people change their car five times a lifetime. Oh, you change you know I mean? it twice. Oh, you drive a different car twice a week. Every week, yeah, at least one a week. And you're just getting these just ones you get kind of given to you. You just turn like, up. I just open the curtains and there's cars outside. <laughs> you book them and they turn up, and as soon as you go and collect them, and you know, so just there's they just turn up because like everybody wants their car reviewed. So I try and put out at least one video a week on YouTube. So for every car I have, there's one video coming out belonging to that car. And that, again, makes car companies very nervous because you don't know whether I like it or not. And that's good. It keeps you on your toes. Yeah, it's true, yeah. Um, I want to ask you about the buy. This is obviously a fucking thing that's starting to be associated with cars. Um, what's your opinion on buy racers? There's not maybe maybe a bit too much noise made about them, but what's your opinion on that? Buy racers have been around since forever. Like, it depends yeah. what your class of being a buy racer. So what I would see as the, the negative speak of buy racer is what lads are filming right now is someone in the city centre of Dublin in a crappy little car that's spewing smoke out of the back of it and they're doing rings on a, on a roundabout somewhere, yeah? Yeah. Um, uh, they have their hoodies up, they're sitting in a crap car, there's no modifications or very little modifications to the car. They're the ones that people class as a boy racer. There's these other guys that get lumped into it, guys with really heavily modified cars. And they get lumped into being boy racers when they're not really, they're not negative boy racers, just have a modified car. They're just driving around doing their normal stuff. Not only it might be loud, but they're probably not doing donuts outside your door in the middle of the night or burnouts in the middle of nowhere, you know. Uh, the negative part of the car 
I, I hate to say community or scene because there isn't really a car scene in Ireland. There's a pile of individuals who are doing all their their own individual thing, but somehow the headline in the newspaper says car scene is crap, right? Yes. You know what I mean? So yeah. you're talking about specific people within it. And you also within that car scene have a pile of car clubs or communities that meet up themselves every Thursday night and they do their own thing. And they seem to have a judgment call and everything. Oh, the car scene is shite in Ireland and we're the best at it, right? But really, there isn't really a car scene. There's meets that happen that people go along to and they come as a club and they stay as a club and then disappear off of it. But they don't even talk to people around them. They don't know anyone around them. They just stay in their own little group. That's not yeah. a scene. That's a car club that turns up to a bigger meet. Yeah. So yeah. boy racers are amongst them. It's a horrible phrase because it's very wide, very broad phrase. But there is there is a very poor representation in among people who own uh shitty cars they own rubbish jokes and they bring them along to meets and they make an eejit out of themselves but are there and they cause havoc and then they go out standing up out of the sunroof of a car with their arms in the air going wow this is dead in to do burnouts even see that they're the kind of ones you think of boy racers and that's a very negative image in this country which will eventually bring the car scene what we have of it will come to a complete grinding halt because of that kind of behavior with that so, like, let's say your son or daughter was one of them in the car. Would that piss you off? That annoy you seeing them doing that wouldn't happen. <laughs> wouldn't happen if, my son, if my daughter wants to get involved in the car scene, she'd be going in a proper car with a proper seatbelt on and stuff. So there is precautions to go with it. And I, I, I understand it's very easy to get drawn into that sort of scene. But realistically, it's dying. Thankfully, it is actually disappearing off the scene as, as it's getting too expensive to have a car. And it's too expensive for a young lad now to be driving around in it two litre diesel Passat with reeking out of the back of it and it's just all filthy down one side that's not you're not you're just an idiot if that's what you're turning up to in a car meet and you're driving through the car meet as if you're entitled to be there like you like you're the cool dude and the Lamborghini isn't then you're the problem yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. the one bringing the problem to the car seat yeah but what else what else it does is um at the car meets now look I'd know very little about cars but the assumption I made now I actually interviewed a lad probably this time last year about this same thing as well but um I assumed that car because all you see at a car meet the only videos i ever saw because my friends would go to them some of my friends all you see is lads doing donuts and burnouts and but your man said no that's not what a car meet is a car meet is lads talking about their cars you know having a fucking whatever cup of tea or whatever talking about the cars or a can of monster Mm -hmm. and i said i never knew that at all and i said for someone who's not into cars doesn't know about cars just as an outsider like me they would say all you do is like try and cause danger and fucking noise and that's not it at all. That's what I assumed. And look, I was probably wrong to assume that. To, yeah, we used to go down to car meets to get knowledge. So you'd go along and you'd talk to some guy who did coilovers in his car and find out where do you buy them? Who do you buy them from? How do you fit them? So you'd learn something when you're there, you know, um, or you'd figure out how to put LED lights on or how to do underglow or how to do how to polish your allies, how to polish your car. You'd swap information at a car meet. That still happens to some degree. Um but now it's all about this, this mythical location. Fucking X, lads. I mean, seriously, you got to get rid of that idea. This thing, there's a meet on this Saturday night and we're all going to go to the Woody's DIY and after to be a location X afterwards, join her. And you go, fuck, what are you, you going to do there? Only do some different. And great, you want to do that. But if you keep advertising on posters, what happens is the guards turn up. And then you're yeah. making a nuisance yourself. I think I'd say they like that part as well. The fact it's kind of location X. I'd say that that kind of makes it sound cooler that's for them the as draw. well. All, that's the big draw. Yeah. And it's it, under... it, like it's not nothing much happens at location X. It's usually it's just a bit of lads doing a few donuts and everybody goes home. There's usually no crashes or nobody gets hurt. Nothing really happens. It looks like chaos, but really it's kind of organized chaos. But if only government departments like the Minister for Transport would engage with people within the car community to talk to them about what they actually want then those location X's and all that problem would just disappear. Yeah. Um, but they won't talk to us. It's just like, oh no, them, them pile of rebels. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt the Minister for Transport has ever done any fucking donuts or anything like that. Now I wouldn't think that'd be his style of going about things. Oh, they used to drive a three litre, 2.5 litre uh, Volkswagen diesel bus for a long time. Now he's got himself an electric car. Oh, did he? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. But he cycles to work every day, seemingly. Which oh, I, does he? Oh, Christ. Yeah. Yeah, no Minister for stuff. Transport cycles the work. He really understands the trucking and the agricultural community out there who rely yeah. on transport, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> um, what what are the car meets actually like? Or what? It's, I know you say you swap information and stuff, but um, 
what are they genuinely like? Do there are any rows at them? Or... Depends who's putting them on. So if you go to a Cars and Coffee, it's probably the best one to go to. So those ones get get organized for morning meets, right? So they're usually like half 10, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, something around there. And what you do is you bring your car, park it, have it clean, park it up and uh, head for a cup of coffee and try and meet people along the way and talk to people. Maybe someone annoy you, introduce yourself, do some social media, whatever it is. And in that, you'll learn something about maybe you, you like the look of a car. You know, maybe you, you think there's a Golf R. I like Golf R's. I'm going to talk to that person. And they'll tell you what it's like to own a Golf R. Is it expensive? Is it cheap? Is it, can you modify it? Uh, how much is insurance? You know, it's that kind of swapping of information is good. Or just come and take some pictures of the car. Don't talk to anyone. If you're not, if you're, if you're not a social person, you don't want to talk to people around you. It's okay as well. Nobody cares. It's fine. Mm. Um, the evening meets are not quite as easy to deal with because often in the evening meets, you'll get a lot more of the burnout brigade or the ones who want to do different or the ones who drive really hard or the really loud cars will come at nighttime. Mm. Um, and those meets are often harder to organize and harder to control in a, in a meaningful way. So, Usually that'll be more for the hardcore lads who actually know what to do in a car meets or want to come along and they like the, the lights and noise that comes with an evening car meet because it's going to be loud, almost always loud. Um, a lot of them end up with the guards being called. A lot of them end up in mad car park, shopping center stuff, doing crazy stuff. And they, they are seen relatively by certain parts of the car community as it being a negative kind of car meet, the evening meets. Um, but I've hosted evening meets as well. They've been fine. Like, it just depends on who's hosting it. You really got to get into the scene. Facebook is a good one for it. I know it's full of old people all talking about their experience of the world, but mm. it, Facebook is a good place to find out where the meets are on and who's running it. And have they run other meets? And what have they been like? That's the, that's the best part. Look for car clubs like old school, new school or whatever that's, that's run other car meets. Then you kind of have an idea what the next one's going to be like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's probably, it's probably like Anton, if you, if you, if there's a fucking donkey running it, you're going to let more donkeys yeah. come to it. And or it's run the first up. one. If, if it's like, I don't know, Leitrim talks cars and it's their very first speech, you never heard of them before. And they're going, when you come along to Leitrim on Saturday, it'll probably only be a 10 car yoke. And the people running it might not be uh, used to it. Uh, you don't know what way they're going to come out. It could be, you just don't, you have no idea what way that's going to run. So most of the good lads will not, most of the good cars will not come along to that unless they know the person's running it. Yeah, like if Dave from Drift Games, Dave Egan or something, was put on a car meet, I I'd understand what I'm going to be because I know Dave, been to his stuff before, so I know how that's going to run. Uh, like old school, new school, or or uh, broke boys car club, or any of these kind of guys who were going to run a meet that I've been at before, I already know what that's going to be like. So I'm more likely to go along to them. I would be personally, but I get like every day there's a car meet on somewhere, and someone will go, "Come up to Donegal, there's a car meet this other night." And you kind of go, "Fuck, it's a three and a half hour drive," and I don't yeah. know who you are. Yeah, for fucking <laughs> car meet, like yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they just often they just want me to come along to it, which is that's okay if they want to. But usually, I prefer a sort of a um, a legitimate invitation. Someone from the from the car group going, "Will you come along to this car meet? We'd love to have you along." That's much more interesting than just someone. Who, I'm going on Saturday night. Do you want to come along to it? You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, the last thing I want to ask is, um, what's like the worst or what's like the biggest incident that's ever happened at a car meet? And this isn't trying to knock the car meets. I know everyone knows they're fucking grand. There's just the odd thing happens. I just wonder what was the worst or big, like any sort of an incident that sticks out in your mind that happened. There mightn't be any now, but just not really. They they film everything these days. Like the only one I can think of last year was a guy in a Ford Focus coming out of. I don't remember who was running the meet. I just remember it was out in Liffey Valley, I think it was. Uh, and he was coming out of it and he tried to pull a handbrake turn on a straight road and ended up jumping up in the curb and hitting a wall. Oh, geez. Um, but that's that's one car with one driver. Overwhelmingly, there might have been 500 cars there, but that one car was filmed doing that, right? Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. It's a bit like saying, like I did Cannonball this year, which is a driver around Ireland in big supercars, you know? Um and at Cannonball this year, one car, one of the Cannonball cars ran into the back of another Cannonball car. And that's what everybody talks about with Cannonball. But there's 120 cars on Cannonball and the whole weekend went without a hitch. There was just one rear ending incident in the middle of it. And that's what I've been talking So today it's very easy to run to extremes and go, this is the worst thing that ever happened at a car and stuff. But actually when I was young in the 80s, God, there was lads putting cars on roofs. Nobody pitched it because there's no cameras. Like there's yeah. no, that was normal. Like yeah. These things happened all the time. Mad lads have turned up and do donuts and handbrake turns in car parks that the cops can. 
Yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> that was normal in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing as well. And no one probably knew about that because it was never, you know, if you, if, the, if that happened in Dublin, you probably wouldn't hear about it in Cork because, like, you know, it wasn't on no, social media. Never, sure nowadays, only the people there would know about it. Like, it would be it would be in the ether. People would talk about it after. But realistically, the only ones that were there would even really speak about it. Because, like, most things happened back then. You only shared with the group of people you hung around with. You didn't talk to other people. There was no... Mm. There was no social media. There was no way of putting that information out to other people. Yeah, yeah, it's true. No, that's yeah, that's probably why lads can't make a mistake. You can't put a foot wrong, especially in a car nowadays. Because if you're at a car meet or something, a lad sees something going wrong, like does you know? It's, that's going to be seen by half the fucking country. Like if you know, all if, you have to do is rev an engine these days. Like anyone starting to rev up an engine, all these young lads who come around behind it with all the cameras out, and they're all looking at it going, look at film. You never see any of these videos. There's millions of hours of videos taken at car meets. I still get tagged from Junction 14, which was summer this year or last year. It was last year now. And I still people going, Junction 14 is the best meeting I was ever at. And they, they sent me a picture of the meet. It's the one I organized in Junction 14 called Summer Vibes last year. And about 10,000 people out, about 4,500 cars turned up. Oh, really? Get them all in or anything. Like, guard the helicopters and everything was mad. Like, it was absolutely mad even. But I still get tagged going, that was the best meeting ever happened in Ireland. And you go, I don't know. That was just one. I put together. I couldn't tell you what happened around that meter before yeah. or after. It just seemed like a good meter at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's nearly all I have to say, I suppose. Um, you've no any last words now before I, before I cut this off? Only for young people. Just and There's a lot of pressure on young people these days to, to uh, choose careers, choose lifestyles, choose, choose everything from like 15 onwards. You know, 15, 16, 17, 18. You're supposed to know you want to be a doctor or solicitor or lawyer or whatever it is by the time you're 18 uh, and I'm nearly 50 so I'm 50 this year and I still don't know what I want to do with the rest of my life so if somebody asks me what I want to do for my what what am I going to do when I grow up I still can't answer that question right there's there's always a way through so if you're young enough and you're trying to find your feet in a career and you don't like it don't worry about it it's okay you could leave school at 18 with a leave insert and lie on a couch till you're 25 and still go back to college. It'll be fine. You can go to college as a mature student. You can do all kinds of things in your life. Life is much longer than you think it is. And then when you get to my age, it becomes very short. Oh, it is true. No, it's solid advice. Fair play to you. No, nice way to finish. And uh, uh, good to have you on. Great. So, uh, yeah, thanks a million. This week for Kappa Chats. A uh, bit busy this week. So, um, just last minute thought of a topic. Um, it's a very good topic, mainly because I thought of it. Um, it's a good topic. So basically, it's the toughest player you came up against. So myself and Killer just picking the toughest player we came up against in both codes. So first going with the Hurlan and then with the old Gaelic football. So that we both got roasted a fair bit. I think we can both agree on that. But um, just, yeah, the toughest player we both came up against in both codes, football and Hurlan. So, uh, Killer, I'll start with you. Yeah, the... See, this one annoys me because I, I was saying to you earlier, like it was it was played in Clan, right? It was played in the school. But I'm not sure if it was Clan. I, I think it was. But he was he was a full forward anyway for for uh, for them anyway. And oh my god, I got absolutely done for the whole for the whole like first the first half anyway, and then near enough to the second wall break. I got taken off and then but he just I think I think he was more so like a third midfielder, if that makes sense. He was just started for third, you know what I mean? Yeah. And just just from the, the first whistle, he just every ball he was sprinting out getting it. And I was full back at the time, like and you know me, I can't run. And all he was doing was running out and getting the ball. And I had and then Tommy was like, Oh here, but he just took me off then. <laughs> then they put they put Alice Catton on him as well. He uh, probably done a better job than me, but he still still scored a fair few of that lad. He was insane. I didn't. I don't even know his name as well. Like, I'd actually like to know who he is. Get a few tips off him, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's probably my toughest opponent. Now in Harlan, did you get um? Did you get the? Did you win any ball off him? Just every single ball? No, no, I did. I don't. I can't, can't even remember winning one ball off every single ball. He was in front. He was just insane. Oh. It's Pete now. I don't know his name, but. Yeah, he was he was insane. Like I don't think I want any ball off. I was just like David every time. I was like, I half times like, oh David, I'm so sorry. But there's just nothing I can do against this lad. Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's some yeah, lads are playing literally a different level. Like it's like fucking impossible to mark them. Like honestly, some lads are just literally not even on earth anymore. Like they're just fucking superhumans. Like 
Yeah, what's yours? Uh, mine is um, <laughs> he's from Manucha. Fuck, I'll say his name. Um, Dave Qualter is his name now. I marked him a few times in kind of school trainings, bits like that. I didn't mark him too much, but it was just like more or less like not that I got roasted by him and stuff, but um, just like a fucking genius. Like he was, I think he was actually playing full forward for um Kildare yesterday in the seniors. Marked him a few times in school training, and look, obviously I wouldn't be much much cut of a hurler but like you know uh, just fucking streets ahead and, and even on the team and there was times he probably wasn't the biggest uh, lads you know he'd be a big enough man now it's a but um just a real genius like could strike left and right the first touch was unreal and he was strong he could win a ball he was tough like he went he took off and fucking belts um just definitely like oh just unreal player like i can't really think of anyone there's a good few people who were on that team who i thought were serious players but uh, now, look, obviously, like compared to me, anyone is probably serious. But uh, yeah, he was just like an outstanding player, like really was. And um, yeah, obviously, a few lads for Nace then as well. Like few whoever, when anyone, anytime we played against Nace, anytime they didn't cheat, they um, when they, when they actually brought their proper team, they um, that was always a good game as well. So, but yeah, I'd say David Quarter. I think he's just a, a level above. So hopefully, he does well for Kildare. So yeah, where's he playing full forward? Is he with Kildare? Yeah, he plays. Yeah, he was pulled forward on uh, yesterday. Yeah, for the Kildare. Who were they playing? They're playing Carlo. I think yesterday. I don't know how. I actually don't know how to get on. I usually watch them games. But don't know how to get on. But um, yeah, no, he's just a standout player. He was kind of played. He could play kind of anywhere in the forwards and played midfield on him as well. I think. But uh, just one of them players, just fucking insane. So um, yeah, have you taught your football one yet? Yeah. Um, see, what I was saying like. It's hard to pick anyone goat from like division five, like you know what I mean? But yeah. um no, it has to be um I don't know, I don't even know his name either, but he plays for uh plays for um what do you call him? Enric Gales, you know them? Oh yeah. He, um I think he, I, he's a mole and yeah, I know I know that and he's I think he's centre back, I think. And I was marking him uh there last or the two seasons ago. And he's another lad as well who just kept running and running, would not stop running. Um, just like every ball was coming in, he was winning that and he was running up the pitch. Like, do you know where most most half backs down now are kind of an attacking line, aren't they? Yeah, I know that is true. Yeah, like that's the thing about us, we are kind of still like just the two full and half hour are attackers, or everyone else is full half midfield and half back, like so. But yeah, he oh, he absolutely told me that day. And he was just way more physically fit. Like he just I went for the first ball and I was gassed and he was there nearly with ten minutes to go and he could run about a marathon, I'd say. So yeah, he was he was unreal. Jesus, yeah. And was he was he county or what? Um standard. I'm not sure. I know I know he they joined up with Kappa. Do you remember that for like a season? Oh and, yeah, I do know that lad actually. Because I was watching one now. You know him, yeah, 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 yeah. I do know him actually. And, and they played down the cap in the final that time. Do you remember they won it? I think it was a shield, wasn't it? Oh yeah, it was a shield. So he's only a year younger than you, then, is he? Yeah, he's younger than me. So that's that's the thing. Yeah. So probably him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what I'm trying to think what mine was. Mine was actually one that was actually Aidan Marquez as well. Don't actually know his first. I think he played county. He won that Leinster final with um, what the fuck was his name? I know Bago was his nickname. I don't know where he. I think we we used to play him with Alan when he played with Alan Wood, and he was just unreal. Like, and just the speed of him, because I remember like it used to take like, do you know the way like most like any good team would probably have one lad, or, or like a lot of teams can I just have tend to have one lad, and he literally takes like four lads to stop him, and then the other lads don't even need yeah. to like um, but he was just like that. He was just like just real fucking gifted footballer and he was fast as fuck like whoever one man I think where I don't know this is like under 16s or 17s I was foolishly put on him the one lad in the team who can't fucking run and I just remember I got so badly and I've and and if I say I got roasted I got roasted because I've got roasted badly badly in, in along playing and football and hurling over the years so yeah I would say that was probably the most demoralizing a player to ever play against because it just gives you so little confidence you feel you feel shy after playing them players because you feel like do you know the way like if you play like a game in division three or four you're like right i'm actually a good player but then you go and play in like division two or something against a proper proper player and you're just like what the fuck i thought i was good at this sport like 
No, the worst. The worst is when you go up against like, like the worst nice player, and he is probably he'd still do anyway. You know, you know what it is, boys. I remember when I was on the development squad for a while. Um, I was marking, and everyone's like, "Oh, he's nice, the worst player on this." And I was like, "Oh, probably, he probably should be like, you know, like Cap is best player if that makes sense." Yeah. But oh my god, he was probably streets ahead of our best player, like, and he was meant to be their worst. Like it's just always them nice boys are like that. Yeah, but like, like bad to them is like you know he can hit off both sides, but he can't score with his fucking eyes closed. Like that's that's bad to them, like. like yeah. Fucking bad to us is in a wheelchair, like you know, <laughs> like it's yeah. I don't know, but uh, it is the standards though. But um, I don't know, but again, then like the bit of it is population, it's culture, like in Nace, they just yeah. they, I see how many they have. They said it on the in the final, didn't they? They uh, what was the audio final. media? Yeah, I they, I heard the commentary say something about the population. I'm looking up here now. I think it's around 20,000 or 25,000. That's it. Don't know exactly. Yeah, 20,000. Yeah. 20,000. Like to, but to be fair, no, that's not much more than Minute. Like, like Minute, you know, Minute, Nace, whatever, Newbridge. I know Newbridge, I fuck all hurling, but well, I suppose North Moorfield, actually, to be fair. But, um, yeah. you know, but yeah, Nace would be, to be fair, they are the kingpins of hurling, to be fair. It says here, Nace has more, more population than Sligo. Does it? Probably 500, 500 people there and it has more more uh, population than Carlo there. I'm assuming, yeah, no, that must be in Carlo Town. There's no way that means fucking... No way that means the whole county. It just says... It just says... Oh, yeah, this city there, this city there. Yeah, I was thinking, like, one town yeah, can't be bigger than the whole fucking county, like... Um, but, yeah, it just, it just shows, but... There is um yeah. I, I don't know. But it, you know, that's yeah, that's the toughest players I've played against, isn't it? And so is there anyone else who kind of who you didn't mention but kind of fucking did you? Um I don't know now. Sometimes sometimes in training now if Mooney's on top form, he'll probably he'll do anyone a job, but that's only if he's in top form now, that's kind of rare enough for Mooney now. Uh, if he's listening now, so yeah. And uh, no one else, no? No one else rings any bells on the Kappa team? Uh, I suppose... I suppose Glenn in the football is not bad either. Like, he'd probably do you sometimes, but... No one else in the hurling? Uh, uh, no, I think, yeah, I'd say just Mooney. Mooney probably do you on, on his good day, like... Right, okay. Fuck you, kidding. Um... <laughs> Thanks for listening, lads and ladies. Um, don't forget to follow us on all our socials and all that kind of crack. And yeah, keep in touch with all the buzz activity. So yeah, good luck.